It's January 14th, 2024. Uh, I'm your local Houthi rebel, Jorge. And I am the captain of the ship getting boarded, Savannah. (laughs) You're listening to Just Plebs. This is episode 13. 13. Lucky 13. We were trying to record it yesterday, uh, January 13th. Episode that was just 13. too much unluckiness. It was it was not great. No. Um, this is round two. Round two, recent attempt. Maybe we shouldn't go live for a little bit. I was going to say that, that yesterday would have been a perfect example of why we're not ready. <laughs> Guys, we can't do it. The two that listen. Guys, we can't do it. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> we can't redo a live. No. So. Anyway. Uh, all right. Well, we've got some interesting news. Um and I have not kept up to date with what's going on at least uh, January 14th. But we do have some uh, some January 13th news. Uh, and it'll subsequently talk about the most the other things that are that are going to fall into place. So we'll start with uh, with CBS. Uh, U.S. and U.K. launch strikes on Houthi rebels in Yemen. Oh, starting off with a good one. Maybe. Now to some breaking news out of the Middle East. The breaking United news. States and the United Kingdom have launched attacks on Iranian-backed Houthi rebels inside Yemen. Now, this is in response to repeated Houthi attacks on cargo ships and tankers in the Red Sea. CBS's Nancy Cordes has the latest from the White House. Good evening, Nora. Moments ago, CBS News confirmed that these joint airstrikes by the U.K. and the U.S. on military positions in Yemen are now underway. This marks the first time the U.S. has fired on Yemen since the Israel-Hamas war began in October. The U.S. Had- wait, wait, was that the first time that they said that? Yeah, it was the first strike since October. The U.S. has fired on Yemen since the Israel-Hamas war. The U.S. on military positions in Yemen are now underway. This marks the first time the U.S. has fired on Yemen since the Israel-Hamas war began in October. The U.S. has been warning these Iran-backed Houthis that it would hit back after 27 attacks on international shipping in the Red Sea since November. In fact, why 27? It took 27, yeah, hit, like attacks for them yeah. to do something. Why, yeah, like why not the first 10? Why I mean, not an even number? Like, have not they not 12? responded at all? Like this, this airstrike. They've is been the first deflecting. Response? Uh, they have been deflecting a lot of of drones and missiles that yeah. were not necessarily directed at them but it was certainly um yeah it was it was they were certainly active i i don't know this is very 27 is a weird number to land on when uh why is the uk involved do you know so we'll get into that okay yeah let's just play this clip out just on Tuesday, the U.S. Tuesday. Navy had to shoot down 21 Houthi missiles and drones that were fired from Yemen. Those Houthi missiles, by the way, are provided by Iran. Now, the Houthis say their strikes on ships are retaliation for Israeli strikes in Gaza. But a coalition of world leaders, including the U.S. and the U.K., they say these commercial vessels have nothing to do with the conflict. And it isn't just the Houthis that have been targeting commerce in the region. Just today, a Greek oil tanker that was on its way to Turkey was seized by Iran in the Gulf of Oman. And incidents like this are fueling fears, Nora, that this conflict could escalate and eventually draw the U.S. into direct confrontation with Iran. All right, Nancy Cordes with that breaking news. Adam- well, we know how CBS lands. Very, very heavy focused on Iran. Um, 
Yeah. Just a constant reminder that Iran did it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not too sure. And I guess we'll get, I, I had a, the reason why we had to stop. We had to redo the recording last time was a, we learned Savannah can't open. This oh, is not an insult, my, by the way. This is just, no, we, no, we're, no, no. we're learning I've admitted my improbability is, uh, I will not be joining an improv club anytime you soon. You know what? I do believe that. I, no. <laughs> I know you well enough that you do, yeah. I would not. It, it would be, people would leave. Like <laughs> Not that mine's any better right now. They would walk out. I, I Honestly, I think I would be a better mime than an improv artist. <laughs> you know? Savannah's it's just mime. the speaking part. Yeah, sure. Doesn't line up. No, no, no good for for Savannah here. But um, <laughs> we'll not be adding it to my resume anytime. No, soon. definitely not. Uh, but this is this is a weird one to unpack because it's not it, it's not necessarily deconstructing a topic, which which I know I've sort of called you out on personal and, and or on the on the recordings um, to have more deconstructive uh, well, clips focused or more deconstructing heavy focused uh topics but this one while it can be a bit deconstructive it's i'm left with a lot of questions that i hope i can again the reason why we struggled last time was because i couldn't quite get my thoughts forward so i'm hoping we'll open with this one see how it goes and maybe you can answer some of my questions and thoughts me uh, yes just at least to help I feel spark like, my brain sure i might just have more it. questions i don't know that i'll have that's any fine answers yeah and, and i think you're still unrelated you still are unaware of this sort of topic yeah um, i definitely won't be having any answers well for you. let's listen to abc <laughs> we know what cbs lands on on terms of in, in terms of their uh their their what they're wanting to report heavy heavy iran focus mm-hmm. um 27 times very specific numbers why not just say a lot of times I, I guess i don't know whatever we'll listen to abc these are both i recorded both of these in the same day um just different different systems Okay. Or different uh, different news sources, I um, suppose. Quick question. Is it pronounced Houthi or Houthi? I'll let you look that up. Okay. Well, it has an H in it. As I know. A T-H-I. I, I believe it's Houthi. Houthi. Because that's the first time I've heard someone pronounce it Houthi versus Houthi. Yeah. I don't know. Back to rebels. In retaliation for the repeated attacks on commercial shipping in the Red Sea, our chief White House correspondent, Mary Bruce, has the latest for it. Michael Stranahan, by the way, his daughter... Uh, got cancer. She's like 19. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Pretty, Aww. pretty nuts. Guess the gap in his teeth didn't really, couldn't, couldn't <laughs> defend his daughter from the cancer. Oh, my gosh. It's good morning, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, Michael. Well, for months, the Biden morning. administration has tried to avoid expanding this conflict. But after the Houthis' relentless attacks and refusal to heed repeated warnings, overnight, the U.S. and our allies fighting back with massive strikes. And this morning, the Houthis are vowing revenge. Oh, revenge. Overnight, a stunning barrage by U.S. and British forces. A wave of Tomahawk cruise missiles launched from a U.S. submarine and Navy ships backed by fighter jets. The target, the Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen that have been attacking commercial ships in the critical Red Sea for months now. The Pentagon confirming the strikes, backed by four U.S. allies, hit over 60 targets and 16 locations, destroying weapons, radar and surveillance systems, and unmanned vehicles. Clearly in the intent here is for the U.S. and the U.K. to take out any military capability that the Houthis might have to continue to harass shipping in the Red Sea. President Biden saying in a statement that after weeks of global warnings to the Houthis, these targeted strikes are a clear message that the United States and our partners will not tolerate attacks on our personnel or allow hostile actors to imperil freedom of navigation. 
Biden adding he will not hesitate to direct further measures to protect our people. The Hoochies have launched at least 27. We got a little Biden focus on this one. Yeah. Okay. I want to play that back. These targeted strikes are a clear message that the United States and our partners will not tolerate attacks on our personnel or allow hostile actors to imperil freedom of navigation. Biden adding he will not hesitate to direct further measures to protect our people. The Houthis have launched at least 27 attacks, claiming they're retaliating for Israel's war with Hamas. It's causing a costly disruption to shipping in the Red Sea, a vital route for billions of dollars in trade. An estimated 15% of world commerce passes through the Red Sea. Major shipping companies now forced to sail around Africa to avoid the violence. We're going to do what we have to do to, to, uh, to counter and defeat these threats that the Houthis keep throwing up. Uh, Houthis? On commercial shipping uh, in the Red Sea. The U.S.-led retaliation coming just days after the largest Houthi assault yet, for the first time targeting American ships with drones and missiles. And the rebel group still holds over two dozen hostages, taken after they brazenly hijacked this cargo ship in November. And now this morning, Houthi leaders are warning the U.S. should prepare to pay a heavy price. Now, administration officials tell us they wouldn't be surprised to see a response from the Houthis, but they say they fully expect that these strikes will degrade and diminish their capabilities. With something to watch. Yeah, I don't know. They it's didn't. They didn't mention that there's no tie between the shipping boats and Israel and Hamas. Oh yeah. They did in the first clip, but they didn't mention this one. There we go. Yeah, it's a weird one. I, and they I, didn't mention Iran at all in the second no, one. No, this was Biden-focused. Yeah. Now, this seems more of in preparation. Um, well, for the election. The election. Uh, inflation has gone up still. Uh, it's slowly rising. Um, yeah. It hasn't exactly gone down. I just found out we spent a trillion. Um, shit. Uh, the That article I have is in the computer, I think. But I think we spent north of a trillion in the past three months. On? Just... Our budget, just the spending we've done for the U.S. has gone up for everything. For everything, yeah. It, it's it's yeah. uh it's the it was the Financial Times that reported that, but mm. um, yeah, it, it was just very interesting. Um, okay, well, that was a couple days ago that that the first retaliation strikes happened. Um, it seems like they've done it again. That these Houthis were not uh, Houthi? they're, they're they're down for another round. That came in. <laughs> Round 28. Round 28. This, yeah, technically, yeah, you're right. You make a good point. Uh, U.S. launches another airstrike on site believed to be controlled by Houthis in Yemen. CBS. The U.S. military launched another airstrike in Yemen on a Houthi-controlled site believed to be used by the rebel group to attack commercial ships in the Red Sea. The Houthis have been targeting international shipping routes to show their support for Hamas in their fight against Israel. The Houthis are vowing retaliation for these strikes, prompting the U.S. Navy to warn American ships to stay out of the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden for the next 72 hours. Christina Ruffini is at the White House this morning with more on this developing story. Christina, good morning. Good morning. Well, from the start of this conflict in October, U.S. officials and the international community have feared it's spreading into a larger regional war. And we've already seen an increase in cross-border conflict between Israel and Hezbollah in Lebanon. Now Yemeni Houthis, who are backed by Iran, are vowing to retaliate, making the Red Sea a potential third hotspot. In Yemen's capital Friday, action sparked a reaction 
Large protests following the U.S. and U.K.-led strikes on more than 30 Houthi rebel targets. Retaliation for the Iranian-backed group's targeting of shipping vessels in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden. We put together a group of nations that are going to say that if they continue to act behave as they do will respond. Standing in front of a fire truck in Allentown, what? Pennsylvania, <laughs> President Biden said he's worried. Wait, play that. That didn't make any sense. No, I know. It's wild. Wait, play, yeah, play, play Israel And Hezbollah in Lebanon. Now Yemeni Houthis who are backed by Iran are vowing to retaliate, making the Red Sea a potential third hotspot. In Yemen's capital Friday, action sparked. By the way, you know, <clears throat> It just feels like we're agitating the entire hornet's nest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just keep poking and prodding different areas. Right. And then saying it's because somebody else poked and prodded us, the hive at the very beginning. Right. Right. Uh, it's very unusual. This is all it, it. Well, it's like it's just one thing after the other. Right? Yes. One event. It just, it keeps, and they're all linked to this one event in October. What bothers me, what, what bothers me with this as well is, is the 27 times, okay, sure. Um, what's interesting is the, all these videos just keep showing, I guess that's what kind of bothering me about this whole issue. And again, we'll, we'll talk through it and I hope we'll figure something out. But, um, this, these guys, when they're playing the, the amount of, uh, Boat jackings get jacked up. Yeah. Uh, they're all playing the same video and the only video uh, of of like some helicopter with some sort of gimbal to to sort of stabilize the image. Um, and they're playing it in a sense of like that. That's the only video they keep playing of like these Houthi rebels or or militia or whatever hijacking this one boat. That's it. That's all they keep showing. It's just the same video. It's the same video. All of them. Um, Is that the only video that they have? I don't know. That's my point. It's like I, I just I'm real confused with with like there's not any other video. Why is it just that one? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I get the October 7th when people were like flying into even that I don't quite get. But it's like, OK, they, they did it on one particular day. They, they landed in Israel. That was like the main crux of the day. I was like, OK, we're, we're going to storm on October 7th or whatever. Uh, but why don't they have more video of them attacking or, well, uh, everything else, every other, every other attack or bombing has been, uh, has been just a, like a missile silo from some, it's just like a desert with, with one, with one missile silo shooting a missile and that's it. That like, that's, that's the entire but video. There's no like confirmation of where the target was. No. No, like I mean, aside, or, like aside from reports saying that they're they've just been attacked and the U.S. has bombed so or do you taken not, down a drone. Do you are you implying that you don't believe that they've actually attacked twenty seven times? I don't know. I mean, maybe because it, it's certainly taking an effect in the sense that they are rerouting ships, but they did the U.S. did issue a blockade or or some sort of like, hey, don't cross this Red Sea mm -hmm. for at least seventy two hours, as I just said. But I mean. Okay, so in the first video, they mentioned, and it's been mentioned before, that um, the Houthis, 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 <laughs> it's been pronounced both ways. They've been attacking these uh, shipping boats with the assumption that they're supporting Hamas 
that this is like this is retaliation against the U.S. and Israel for the mm-hmm. Hamas attack, mm-hmm. right? So they're they're supporting the Hamas through it, right? But then there's been plenty of sources that have said these shipping boats, which are international, so they're not just U.S., are not even tied to Israel or the U.S. They're okay. not connected in any way. You're jumping. You're jumping. We'll we'll oh. yeah we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, I'm what, just, what's your question? My question is, if that's true, then why, what is their goal in the attacks, the disruption? Yeah, we'll, right? we'll get into it. Okay. Yeah. I'll set the scene then. Yeah. Or I'll, uh, making the reds. I, I got you. See yeah. a potential third hotspot. Hotspot. In Yemen's capital Friday, action sparked a reaction. Large protests following the U.S. and U.K.-led strikes on more than 30 Houthi rebel targets. Retaliation for the Iranian-backed group's targeting of shipping vessels in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden. We put together a group of nations that are going to say that if they continue to act and behave as they do, we'll respond. Standing in front of a fire truck in Allentown. <laughs> All right, sorry. Yeah, that led us. Do, do you want to play no that over sense. again? Just Biden's Aden. bit. We put together a group of nations that are going to say that if they continue to act and behave as they do, we'll respond. Standing in front of a fu- <laughs> Okay, I think it's because he's mumbling, but I think he said, he's essentially saying they got a bunch of countries together who will respond to these attacks. And you know what's funny? They did get a bunch of countries. Oh, so he- But okay. it's just the US and the UK. Yeah, it's two countries. Well, no, there was more and they backed out. Why'd they back out? I, we'll get into it. Oh. Yeah, just, yeah. Fire truck in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, he, he was by a fire truck, in case you're wondering. Okay. Sorry. It's, it's clip. This one was probably the most interesting out of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Just because there's a lot of information to give off. Nations are going to say that if they continue to act behave as they do, will respond. Standing in front of a fire truck in Allentown, Pennsylvania, <laughs> nice. President Biden said he. Stupid. That has nothing to do with no, anything. No, nothing. There's no. Yeah. <laughs> He's worried continued attacks on shipping routes could drive up the price of oil. I'm very concerned. That's why we got to stop it. According to the Pentagon, more than 150 precision-guided munitions struck at least 60 targets, including command centers, missile and drone launch sites, and air defense systems. I think it's important to remember how we got here. 27 attacks against international commercial shipping and Mariner since November 19th, multiple warnings to stop, and we said very loud and clear there would be consequences, and last night there were. The Houthis, a minority Shia Muslim group, are backed by Iran and have been battling for control of Yemen since 2014. The bloody civil war has displaced about 4.5 million people, and more than two-thirds of Yemen's population is in dire need of humanitarian assistance, according to the UN. We are just extremely worried about the risks uh, and the, the, the greater risks of escalation. Yesterday, President Biden dismissed the idea. That- so we'll, we'll, we'll pick that up of mm-hmm. the humanitarian aid. Uh, people are not necessarily happy that the Houthis are there. Uh, it's a detriment to oil. Um, well, potential. Potential, even though really it, it, it's been fine for the most part. Well, it's going to be delayed, right? A delayed I effect. Don't, I don't think that's true. Well, uh, if it drives because up costs because the they same have to reroute. Way, yeah. I, Maybe we won't see that for a little bit. I'll play a clip that. Well, this this is about the one that I'm gonna play you later is about LNG. Um, LNG, liquid liquid natural gas. Okay. Um, still, but sorry. Regardless, we'll keep finishing it. It finishes off with a weird one. Okay. But targeting Houthi groups could antagonize Iran. Iran does not want a war with us. The strikes received bipartisan, though not universal, support. So it was an appropriate action. 
with some progressive Democrats saying Congress should have to pre-approve any such actions. It's time to put together an international coalition. There should have been time to come to us and ask for permission. And some Republicans saying it didn't go far enough. That won't change the equation. The Iranians could care less how many Houthis die, how many people from Hamas die. You'll never get Iran through their proxies to back off until you hit Iran. Now, all of this was done while the Secretary of Defense is still in the hospital. If you remember, the Pentagon failed to notify the White House that Secretary Austin, who had a procedure for prostate cancer, had developed a serious complication and was in intensive care. The DOD says he monitored the strikes and gave the go-ahead from his hospital room at Walter Reed. The president yesterday said the lack of disclosure about his condition was a lapse in judgment, but that, Michelle, he still has confidence in his Secretary of Defense. He went a number of weeks missing. In the hospital with the, or no, they just didn't? No, number of weeks missing. And then he showed up at the hospital. What? Yeah. They don't know where he was? No. I mean, they probably do, but, but they're not disclosing that. That's weird. It is very weird. Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's very unusual because he ran, he runs the whole joint militarily. Um, yeah, yeah. Biden so executes the order, there. sure. But, but he's the one that's calling the shots. Yeah. So who was calling the shots during uh, that time? I Probably don't know. his little assistant. His, well, the deputy, <laughs> but she was on leave oh. in Puerto Rico, but she was dealing with stuff uh, remotely or even a remote job. It's fucking sweet. Um, <laughs> shooting down hooties. Um, yeah. But yeah, he'd been missing for some time. I don't want to go into it because mm -hmm. it was a lot. Of, it would be more work than I think it's uh, not that it's not worth it, but it's just that's a whole rabbit hole in of itself. I, I want to get to my point here with with the show. Um. It, yeah, it, the very unusual the amount of airstrikes the the coalition that they're supposedly talking about is only really two countries at the moment. Um, the price of oil is not has not necessarily jumped, although it might. Who knows? Uh, a lot of uh, imagining that the Houthis have have been sort of terrorizing Yemen for years, even though Saudi Arabia has always been at war with them, and now they're deciding Saudi Arabia and the Yemenis. Or the Houthis have decided to just chill out and be buddies. Um, I don't know. To me, when you listen to kind of, it seems like we want to jump into a third, a third theater of war. Well, that last clip where he just said, "You don't go through the proxies; you go directly to the source." Right. Sure. In terms of Iran. Sure, sure, but yes, and but even then, I think I think they want them. I think they want Iran to come out first. Yeah, and and I think you start doing that by by pushing buttons more so in the Middle East. I, I mean, I think they're going to do more than potentially airstrike uh, that that Houthi rebel uh, faction out, you know, towards the Red Sea. I think they'll do more. Like saying it's because of the shipping vessels. I, think, I, I feels like it's justifying. This feels like Iraqi freedom. Is that, I think that's what it's called. I said that with a lot of confidence. Yeah, you uh, did. But I mean, you you could have fooled me. Yeah, Operation Iraqi not... Freedom. Yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I nailed it. So it's <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it certainly feels that way of of pushing in that we need to come in there and save these people and and or it's disrupting uh, Israel. It's disrupting a lot of trade that's going on in the world. It, whether they'll say um, whether they'll spin it like that, I don't think so. It, it might end up being more of like a uh, these people are starving. We got to go help them out. Uh, well, especially yeah, bringing up the human humanitarian aid that's yes. been requested. And yes. Um, here is the here's a YouTuber of, uh, called the Caspian Report. I really do hate this guy. Uh, he's fine. He's 
he just he takes his job a little too seriously, which is fine. I guess that's his that's his sort of notion of things. It, it's just it's a little overproduced, if you ask me. A lot of writers, a lot of stupid intros. Just whatever. I'll play By it. other means. <laughs> The Red Sea is a place where the Iranians have gained substantial power in recent years owing to the Houthis. So this is very dramatic uh, types. But my point with this is that he will explain sort of the, the logistical aspects of, of um, shipping and, and, and why they're deferring and, and, and also why this coalition of two is just a coalition of two. Okay. This is as close to the game of geopolitical chess as it gets. Regardless of the strategic maneuvering, the Houthi attacks are an affront to the freedom of navigation and compel economic powerhouses to reconsider global supply chains. In response to the maritime blockade, four of the world's five largest container shipping companies have suspended shipping through the Red Sea. These include Denmark's Maersk, France's CMA CGM, Germany's Hapang Lloyd, and Switzerland's MSC. Together, these companies account for more than 50% of global container shipping capacity. Multinational British Petroleum is stopping shipments through the Red Sea as well. If other energy firms join the call, oil and gas supplies could be in severe trouble. Container ships making runs between Europe and Asia are getting reacquainted with the Cape of Good Hope which had been largely obsolete since the opening of the Suez Canal more than 150 years ago. That's not true, by the way. I mean, they, they've been doing that for, I mean, I know it's not the best route, but when the Suez Canal was blocked because of those idiots uh, side, you know, side landing a, or landing a ship sideways and it blocked off the entire canal. Yeah. They, they've been doing that. This is not like the first instance that they've been, you know, they're, they're all of a sudden refamiliaring themselves to, to, the, to the Cape of Good Hope or whatever. They've been doing this for a while and or it's still a route that they it's not like it's uh, yeah no it's longer. probably still an active route yeah and whatever this guy just annoys me okay however this detour adds about 7400 kilometers and up to 14 days of travel time to the journey costing millions of dollars in extra fuel and other insurance and auxiliary costs by okay. other means ah. um a couple things i wanted to point out before we continue uh He's wrong about the, uh, the at least the natural gas. I'm going to assume the oil as well, um, but that's just me assuming. But here is a here's an Indian channel sort of deb uh, disputing his claim that that natural gas is 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 not being able to get transported. Um, here we go. And now let's give you an update from the world of energy. There's been a tectonic shift in the liquefied natural gas segment. United States is now the largest exporter of LNG after a big recovery in production in 2023. Let's tell you more about this. Well, record exports in December have helped the U.S. to overtake market leaders Qatar and Australia. 8.6 million metric tons of LNG left U.S. terminals in December. Not just that, the U.S. was also the standout performer in 2023. Fuller exports rose 14.7% to 88.9 million metric tons, thanks to the Freeport LNG plant returning to full production after the 2022 fire. Well, Europe remained the main destination for U.S. exports in December. Okay, you got my point. I don't know. This guy, he's got like over 2 million followers or subscribers on, on YouTube. I mean, I don't 
I don't know how much or what his sponsors are. It can't just be, you know, uh, Harry's and a couple other, a couple other, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, ball shaver buddies, um, that, that come in and, and, uh, and sponsor the show. I'm almost convinced that this group, this group of people are, are sort of paid off by some sort of think tank that they're, they're somewhat sponsored into, into this system. I just, I, I find it very hard to believe that, that, what they're saying is accurate, but why it just, cause I, we'll go in. We'll, we'll, I'll play clip. Two. Is that all? Okay. Yeah. It's mostly annoyance with this gas type. It's also, it's very Iran focused as well that not that Iran's a problem, but it, they certainly all, all roads lead to the inevitability of, of, of like, what do you do with Iran? And yeah. it, it's sort of assuming in my mind, like that's the problem. More. Yeah. And so here we go. At least I want to get to that, to that coalition of two. Over, the shipping industry is currently still reeling from the COVID-19 breakdown in logistics. As a result, insurance costs for shipping in the Red Sea have jumped from 0.07% of a ship's value to as much as 0.7%. That is a tenfold increase in just one month. Plus, Considering that oil tankers are valued in the hundreds of millions of dollars, this increase in insurance premiums makes shipping in the Red Sea exceedingly expensive. Also, you get to see that in most recent news, you get a lot of Iranian uh, ships have taken over oil tankers. That was a big one. Those are those are not necessarily a one story hit that has been reported almost for at least a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, just again, very unusual. And this was, this was published around the same time the Houthi strike, uh, strike the same time. Uh, just whether it's good timing or he took advantage of the moment, I am just, I'm skeptical and annoyed at this guy's voice. <laughs> just instance, his voice. A tanker valued at $130 million will have an insurance premium of $910,000. Whereas before it was $91,000. That is a steep climb, to put it nicely. So instead, shipping giants are considering going around the southern coast of Africa, even if that route is longer. This workaround is simply deemed more practical and cost-effective than risk damage through the convoy. To reassure shipping giants and restore maritime security, the Biden administration is considering more extensive military operations against Houthi targets on the mainland. However, doing so would come at the expense of power projection elsewhere. China and Russia in particular would watch the conflict unfold gleefully. To put things into (laughs) perspective, the Houthis are a minority Shia Muslim sect in northern Yemen. They first emerged... Okay, okay. Uh, The final clip, this this sort of wraps up the... the, um, I don't know, man. Sorry. Maybe I'm just griping over this guy. Uh, but I, I at least have to finish off what he was trying to show. Regardless, the Houthis control an estimated one-third of Yemen's territory and about 70% of its population. Much of the international community paid little attention to the conflict in Yemen, and now it's about to get a reality check. Egypt's cash-strapped government will likely feel the brunt of the economic burden. It earns nearly $10 billion annually from transit fees passing through the Suez Canal. With the Houthi blockade in effect, maritime traffic along the Suez Canal has likewise come to a halt. This hurts Egypt's economic stability and possibly its political stability. 
Meanwhile, Saudi Arabia is noticeably absent from the ongoing crisis. The Saudis have been combating the Houthis since 2015, but as the rebel armaments have gotten louder and stronger, the Saudis have backed down from the fight. Equally important, the Saudis are resentful towards the Americans for their half-hearted response to the Houthi attacks on Saudi oil facilities. I don't believe that's true. Uh, during that time period, we were still pretty young at that age. Uh, I mean, we we sent a lot of money. We It's a huge military contract to fight the Houthis over in Yemen. They, I mean, I find this hard to believe that that we gave a half-hearted effort. I mean, we Obama was known for droning the Yemenis mm -hmm. in like the last two years of his presidency. I mean, it, this was it was it wasn't spoken about for obvious reasons in the news, but it, it, it this was not necessarily that we didn't give it our best effort on killing people. We we did we did do a good job scraping them up. It I don't know this unusual in terms of this but he's not wrong with the egypt scenario mm -hmm. with the suez canal that for some reason for some reason it seems like it it feels like uh if if this group of people are supposedly all you know these this muslim brotherhood of of individuals are all in it together and they're against the west why is it that they're hurting one another uh, for example, Egypt being hurt by uh, by the Houthis' attacks and, and slowing down the progress of the Suez or slowing down passages of the Suez Canal, costing them a lot of money. Egypt doesn't have any exports; uh, they import almost everything, including their own food. Um, so, uh, cash strapped is is not necessarily the the best way of saying it. I mean, it, it's it's really it's a dire situation because I mean, if if you stop the money flow of uh, of of your one main product that you have, which is the the canal, um, politically, yeah, he's right. It, you really would be destabilizing a whole party and a whole group of people. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm just none of this. I guess it's just all confusing in that sense. Of uh, we certainly would see that it feels like they they should be working together, and and why are they hurting each other? Uh, if, if this, you know, if this group of people are so tightly knit, I, I just, I feel like we have something to do with it. Yeah. It doesn't really add up. No. Thank you for you summarizing it quicker than I did. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Essentially. It just, it feels like we had a, we had a bit of, of, of hand at play here. Uh, I'll finish this off. Uh-huh. In reply, the Saudi leadership has hosted numerous rounds of peace talks with their Houthi counterparts as they look to detach themselves from the Yemeni battle space. So this time around, the Saudis figure they're going to be spectators instead. On the other end of the peninsula, the United Arab Emirates supports a different faction in the Yemeni conflict. And since the Houthis are located at a comfortable distance, the Emiratis still consider Yemen as available real estate and are ready to fight for it. They just don't want to do the fighting part. Instead, Emirati agents are lobbying lawmakers in Washington to greenlight American military actions against Houthi facilities and bases. All is fair in business and war. Overall, though, international maritime trade is a profoundly complex web. The Houthi blockade comes at a time when the European economies have moved away from Russian oil and gas and instead increased their seaborne energy imports. 
much of it coming from the Middle East and passing through the Red Sea. So, the longer the Houthi blockade lasts, the more severe consequences there will be for Europe and the commitments in Ukraine. So far, America's International Naval Task Force has left the Houthis undeterred, if only because of their physical distance from the fight and backing from Iran. In all good chance, the Houthis will continue their attacks so long as there is no significant blowback. In fact, the Houthis may feel empowered since the blockade has strengthened their geopolitical hand. Okay. Yeah, so none of that has to do with Israel. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. It very much contradicts with, with what uh, the CB... This is why I like the guy and I don't. Because half of it feels like bullshit. Half of it checks out mm -hmm. in, in the sense that ABC and CBS and NBC are all saying this is all Israel you know, sort of uh, promoting this this attack and killing. But in reality, it's much more complex than that. Well, uh, yeah, and the way that news is portraying the Houthis is that they have no idea. They're, they're trying to make this connection between the shipping vessels and Israel and the U.S. as retaliation. But, it, like, they're... <laughs> that seems very far-stretched. Like, that's that's it? And right. it's not even true? Like, these right. shipping vessels aren't even connected? Like, do you... Like this, I don't know. That seems very far stretched and not, not the whole picture. Um, and then I realized I didn't clip that portion that I've been hyping up. But the uh. Uh, the reason why the coalition didn't work is because per missile of taking down a drone, uh, an Iranian drone versus a a a U.S. or a U.N. made missile to deter it mm -hmm. is about uh, twenty thousand for the drone, about a million dollars per missile. They didn't um, want to pay for it. No. France, Spain, and Italy don't want to pay for that. So I mean, fair. Fair. Because they're, they're shooting about like 20 of these fuckers uh, per they, every week. They probably figure the U.S. is going to do it anyways. Yeah, we got daddy tickets. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. It's it's a little more it's a little more in-depth than it, than it probably, uh, or than it's definitely portrayed. Um, yeah. It it's it also comes on the precipice again of this Egypt scenario, where um, you certainly get to see uh, Egypt suffering, and I, and I'm just wondering why, why are they being put in this position? Um, Egypt suffering in what sense? Economically, um, because of because the Suez Canal span. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're on the same page. Okay, you're like, just check it. I thought you were trying to switch topics somehow. No, 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 no. And so um, I also have another reason why I think, uh, I guess going back, well, how, how do I want to go with this? Um, okay. Well, let's, let's listen to PBS and their sort of take. And maybe I'll just skip one of these because it seems like I'm playing a repetitive clip now with the CBS and ABC of the Houthis attacking. Well, I mean, you're just comparing them, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but here's one of how the U.S. led strikes on the Houthis in Yemen and could alter the conflict in the Middle East. Again, very different report from this Caspian dude. What impact will these airstrikes have on the Houthis standing in Yemen? Do they welcome these airstrikes? Yemenis. Oh, this this sort of explains my reasoning that uh, why they're justifying some sort of Iraqi freedom type uh, attack. Um Anyway, anyway, hold on. Are concerned about these airstrikes because they lived the horrors of airstrikes for eight years. And these airstrikes caused a lot of 
civilian casualties, a lot of destruction, but also they made the Houthis stronger. So Yemenis at large don't want to go through, you know, another episode of airstrikes that only benefit the Houthis at the expense of Yemenis. Now, Houthis are still extremely unpopular, but the Houthis are using the Gaza war and, you know, the war with Israel and, 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 and America, which is their narrative that they're at war with Israel and America. They're using that to oppress the population and silence critic. Um, they're using that to force families to send their children to indoctrination camps, to recruit fighters, to recruit children at a mass scale. And so these airstrikes could be very good for the Houthis. The Houthis want war. They want confrontation for the U.S. They want confrontation with Israel because, and that's why they continued to, you know, the, to, to attack the, the ships in the Red Sea. That's how they build, you know, they, they make an excuse to oppress the population. So this will be good for the Houthis if, if it's only airstrikes. Well, in order for the U.S. goal of deterrence to be effective on a more permanent basis, what kind of approach would be required? Well, the U.S., the Houthis have proven to be a strategic threat uh, to security, regional security and international shipping. And so only a strategic approach will, um, will, will mitigate the Houthi threat. Um, now, airstrikes by the U.S. and the U.K. Um, are not going to address that. The U.S. and the international community need to support Yemeni government forces to weaken the Houthis militarily um, and rebuild Yemen. The Houthis, as you well know. So she's calling for more money uh, yeah, to, to prop up this Yemenis group, which effective or not, it doesn't seem to be the case, clearly, because th these guys are pretty well trained. Well, yeah, they've had to deal with the Houthi issue for years. No, like half of these groups are very experienced. Uh, yeah. been in plenty of combat. So it, anyway, let's just continue. We're also backed by Iran, which has supplied militias across the Middle East as a way of stepping up its own influence. How independent are the Houthis from Iran? Are they acting on their own um, or are they following Iran's instructions right now? Um, it's, it's both. So the Houthis are not Iran puppets. They don't carry Iran orders. Having said that, the Houthis are very strong allies with Iran, and they both have long-term goal in the region, which is Iran's expansionist agenda. And that include weakening Saudi Arabia, taking Mecca, and eventually liberating Jerusalem, in their own words, and destroying Israel. Um, more importantly, also pushing the U.S. and the West out of the region. The Houthis also are capable of acting on their own. Um, Iran has empowered the Houthis, strengthened them, um, and I'm not even sure if Iran decided that the Houthis need to de-escalate today, that the Houthis would do that. So, uh, so they're e either, acting either independently either of Iran. That's what they say, but really, the the fin the money follows back to Iran. Like they're, sure. they're they're the ones that are. If it wasn't for their oil money. Uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have the legs that they do. But would they just find it from somewhere else? No. Well, the Qataris are the the Saudi Arabians are fighting against the Houthis. Mm -hmm. um, they're at peace right now, but they're not exactly like at odds with each other. Um, I'm not sure. I'm just. Yeah. I, it, it's either that they're leaning towards like wanting to attack or invade the Houthis, or supplement it with another war. 
by the Yemeni's government, not necessarily the rebels. Yeah. Or they want to, or it all ties back to Iran. And if you take the the head out, then the then rest hopefully of hopefully the, the body falls too. But that's yeah. not necessarily going to happen. I mean, yeah. that, like that's not f- confirmed. No, 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 no. This is again. This is why I'm kind of struggling with this episode. And if I seem quiet about it, it's because I'm I'm trying to form my opinion, and mm-hmm. it's just a, a lot of it's very confusing. It sounds like a lot of it is um, kind of questioning the motives of a lot of uh, what's happening. Right. You know, who's benefiting? What does this mean? And then see what happens. Well, then on top of that, you get this report that uh, uh, it seems like these these Iranian and Saudi Arabian groups have met a deal for the first time. Um, and so I'll play this. We tried to play in the last episode. I'll try to stop it and you can ask me questions. Just just give me a shout if you don't comprehend something, because I know last time it was a bit of it was a lot of information. And it wasn't, under some people's opinion, it wasn't very well produced uh, piece of clip. So we'll we'll play and we'll see how you, how it works out. Okay. Okay. This if wasn't a shot at you. Out by for the way. a second, the bigger story here is that the hegemony of the U.S. dollar is being brought into question. We've seen how China's ties with Saudi Arabia have grown warmer in recent months and even led to speculation that Saudi Arabia may be open to accepting the Chinese yuan in oil trading instead of the US dollar. If this happens, it could have wide-ranging implications for the global economy. It doesn't mean the US dollar will cease to be the world's reserve currency, but its dominance could definitely be brought into question. Since we've touched upon China's role in the Middle East, let's move on to our next topic, which is about Saudi Arabia and Iran, two major regional foes in the Middle East, starting to take base. Wait, so, so did, did you understand that portion of things? Yeah, is that they're, uh, they're trying to move away from, or there's talk of the U.S. dollar not being used in terms of petrodollar, yes. which would take away some of its power a, as a the dominant yeah. currency of the world. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I got that bit. steps towards restoration of bilateral ties. In a previous episode, we explained to you how China helped broker a deal between the two regional rivals after seven years of icy relations. Many question whether this was just a deal for geopolitic optics, but it could be that both Saudi Arabia and Iran are keen to take this forward. Earlier this week, the foreign ministers of both countries spoke over the phone, their fourth or fifth call in the last three weeks. Under the China-brokered pact that the two countries agreed to recently, their foreign ministers would arrange the return of their ambassadors and discuss means of boosting relations. So it is possible that these recent phone calls will come to fruition very soon and that envoys could be sent to either country within a couple of months. Reports have also emerged that the two foreign ministers could be attending a one-on-one meeting before the holy month of Ramadan ends. By the way, if, if that PBS one was explaining how Iran wants to go in there and take back Mecca, Mm -hmm. take back Jerusalem and kick the Israelis out. Mm -hmm. But we're just hearing now that they're, well, we've known this for a little bit, that China has brokered a deal with Saudi Arabia and Iran. That's news, by the way. Yeah. That's not opinion. That's not a think tank. That That happened. That that happened. Yes. Um, But didn't, sorry, if you still had a Well, my point, my point was that if, If they're so united, and again, this will go into the topic of BRICS, which is what she's trying to explain. This is the Brazil, Russia, India, China, China. South Africa coalition. 
of detaching themselves from the U.S. dollar as a means of trade. Mm-hmm. And as of recently, it appears that Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt were invited and I think have joined the group. Uh, officially cemented, yeah, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE officially cemented as BRICS members. This is News 24 from a South African, uh, oh, they're going to make you do a 14-day trial for a South African paper. That's so stupid. (laughs) Whatever. Um, But if that is correct, and I believe it is because even the New York Times was mentioning that as well, um, why are are they hurting each other then? Again, back to that Suez Canal blockade. Yeah. I just... But also, didn't when the October attacks for Israel happened, weren't they Israel in the middle of trying to put together a deal with Saudi Arabia? Sure, that too. So then now Saudi Arabia is with Iran, and Iran and Israel are at um, like each other's necks. But supposedly <laughs> with the which, U.S., which, that how does th- none of that makes sense? Th- th- that doesn't make any sense. No, it seems like Saudi Arabia is just kind of flip flopping. But I don't. I don't think that's true. I mean, I, no. I, I think. I think they are actually all coming together. I think China has actually done a, something that the U.S. never wanted to do. Not that they couldn't, but has actually brokered a deal to actually keep the Middle East uh, at at even. You know, even keel. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing too. Nothing too extreme. Um, but to me, it sounds like with this BRICS issue, which I guess I'll continue playing the clip. It is. It doesn't feel like it's in our benefit to no. have these groups merge together and actually. Well, no, especially when their whole goal, the whole purpose of them, is to take on a new currency for the petrodollar. Right. Right. That's not the U.S. petro, like the U.S. dollar, and the U.S. is not a part of this group. None of it is beneficial for the U.S. Okay, let's keep playing. Under the China Brokered Pact. The two countries also agreed to revive a security cooperation agreement originally signed in 2001 and a 1998 general agreement for cooperation in areas such as trade, investment, tech, science, culture and sports. But Iran aside, Saudi Arabia has been making some interesting geopolitical moves. Not only has it allowed China to help broker a deal with Iran, but it has also come to an agreement with Syria through Russian brokered talks. Okay, uh, that, that, sure. Who? I mean, yes, they're all united up front. Of, of The point is Russia and China are sort of spearheading this. Mm-hmm. Putin became the president of the BRICS, uh, BRICS Accord or BRICS, BRICS Group, if you, the, the wall of BRICS. Hey, there we go. There may be a show title there. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know, man. Then, then it leads into question as to we still don't quite understand how how the how the how the Jews let in this bulldozer from the fence, uh, one of the most heavily guarded uh, places, right? Supposedly the the yeah, the Mossad whole- is supposed to be the one of the top tier spy agencies in the world, and yet they didn't have a read on these kids filming and adults, I guess, but just weird, just crazy videos of people paragliding into into a past the border wall yeah um, doesn't add up it's just nothing nothing adds up here i uh, it's also very odd that the secretary of defense was also missing during that time period but not I, I haven't quite figured out what that has to do with with this sort of scenario but I, again I'm, I'm just i'm just perplexed because it seems like we're losing our footing in 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 that sector mm-hmm. and at times it may seem beneficial to have a justified means right as they say october 7th is there 9-11 and what did no, we do Holocaust. after? 
and a Holocaust. They said both. They said both. And they said it was worse than the Holocaust. And it was worse than the Holocaust. So, it, well, that was a retracted statement, right? Yeah. That, that, was, not... that was a small group of people. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, such an extreme but statement. But the 9-11 is, is what they're comparing it to, right? And what mm-hmm. did we do after 9-11? We ended up trying to destabilize uh, a number of countries, uh, which is exactly what the Westwood Clark 7 was talking about. Um, I just, it seems like we're losing our footing and it's, and, and I feel like we're gearing up for something bigger, not necessarily, um, like a, like an Iran induced attack, right? Like that we're, we're going to go bomb Iran as they want us to, but it, it certainly feels like we're, we're trying to claw into something and nothing's working. Yeah. I On top that. of that, you have, um, uh, more, more military bases. We have one in Djibouti, which is the, the one that sort of allows ships in and out of the Red Sea into the Suez Canal. Uh, but the same Indian group is also reporting, uh, in Ethiopia and again, who also joined the BRICS group, by the way, is agreeing to, to allow a port in Somaliland. Okay. It looks like tensions are escalating in the Horn of Africa as Somalia rejects a landmark agreement between Ethiopia and the breakaway region of Somaliland. The deal would grant Ethiopia access to the Red Sea through the port of Berbera. But Somalia claims that the pact has no legal force. Take a look at our next report for more details on this story. Somalia on Tuesday rejected a pact that its breakaway region of Somaliland signed with Ethiopia, allowing it to use the Red Sea port of Berbera. Somalia said the deal has no legal force and threatens regional stability. Government spokesman Fahan Mohamed Jamali. Ethiopia's step is an offensive that endangers the stability and peace of the region, which was already wobbling with problems. It is a violation and an open invasion of Somalia's sovereignty, freedom and unity of the Federal Republic of Somalia. The so-called Memorandum of Understanding and Agreement of Cooperation is null and void. The agreement would permit landlocked Ethiopia, which relies on neighboring Djibouti for most of its maritime trade, to set up commercial operations at a leased military base in Berbera. Ethiopia's national security advisor confirmed on Monday that it would offer Somaliland a stake in its state-owned airline in return. The agreement also included recognizing Somaliland as an independent nation in due course. Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed's stated ambition to secure access to the Red Sea is a source of tension with its East African neighbors, and that's raising concerns about a fresh conflict in the Horn of Africa. But they'll be in on the deal. You know, eventually we'll get to the point where BRICS become strong enough. I mean, if Sven, if they get, if they get, I mean, my always my biggest gripe with BRICS up until recently has been okay, it's China, India, and uh, Russia, two biggest. Who gives a shit about South Africa? They're in the toilet. Brazil, Brazil, Brazil's okay. They got a okay economy. It's 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 not the best, but it's it's there. Mm-hmm. But the biggest one, the biggest uh, giant, is China. Uh, the biggest Juan. The big- Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I probably mispronounced it too. Yuan. You oh not Juan. Idiot. Juan. Yeah. <laughs> Juan. 
But my point is, it's this is all very unusual. Uh, and who's to say they're not going to let more more people into the country or more people into the coalition? Excuse me. Um, I, I I feel like in, in the coming months we'll see another another country. I mean, Argentina backed out, but that's only because they elected a, a new leader and they're they're going a different method. But um, I don't know. I just something feels weird about this one in that there's not even a clear messaging per se. Mm-hmm. And and they're all either blaming Iran or or not, which, of course, we've seen before. And that's fine. It's just. I don't know. I'm just I'm just perplexed, Savannah. That's all. This is this is weird. It feels like the U.S. is trying to grasp onto something. Yeah. Uh, get some sort of footing in the region somewhere. Uh, and it's just not working because, again, these these groups, if they break off, it's that's a big problem because it's it's the majority of oil uh, production in the in, in the world. I mean, yeah, the U.S. has some, but. No, really, but we rely if, if on imports. We, rel- we rely on imports. Yeah. Sure. So I don't know. The, the, again, if I seem uh, nervous of talking or quiet, it's just because this is hard to interpret. Well, yeah, and it's it's a sit and watch. It's not very clear. Like, it, yeah, like you said, it's what is what is the point of all of this, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not it's not clear what why all of this is happening, how it's all connected, right? You know what's going to come out of it. So. By the way, uh, during that, the only thing I could think about that Biden uh, speech uh, about the fire truck. If you want to call it a speech. Whatever, yeah. that mumble. Um, during that time, by the way, uh, America has borrowed one trillion since the start of the football season. Oh, my gosh. Wait, is that September? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's like The four federal months. government is borrowing money at the mind spending rate. Mind spinning rate. Uh, you can't blame it on COVID pandemic anymore. Uh, I like how they compared it to the football season timeline. 18 weeks. Yeah. 18 weeks. Uh, they surpassed the threshold of $34 trillion. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't know. It Again, yeah. They're going to have to print more money eventually. Well, they already are. I know. More so. Uh, faster rate. Faster rate. Get some more machines yeah. in there. Yeah. Chop down more trees to get some paper. Anyway, <laughs> we're moving on. Uh, okay, what do you have? I'm sorry if that was very long. Uh, again, I've just the reason partially as well why we, why we had to cut down and d- attempt to show at a different time just because I didn't have this. This is still hard for me to explain. So it, yeah. it's just a lot of work. So please uh, yeah. jump us into something a little more interesting. Sure. I mean. So you had something that um, it's hard to explain, and my topic is something that's been overexplained <laughs> and uh, talked about a lot. Uh, COVID, <laughs> still a topic. Vaccines, even more popular of a topic. Um, so a new thing. I mean, it's not really new. It's kind of been coming up. It's been talked about, but it's for the last couple of months. But it's been really talked about the last like month or two with the Florida uh, Surgeon General, Dr. Latipow, and his stance on vaccines. You changed them. Um, intro. Vaccine intro. The- oh. Surgeon General Joseph Latipo has been a vocal vaccine skeptic using his high profile position to cast doubts on what scientists say are effective vaccines. Florida Surgeon General bucking the nation's health experts on Wednesday, calling for an end to the use of those COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. 
Florida Surgeon General Dr. Ladipo says he has safety concerns pertaining to the discovery of billions of DNA fragments found per dose in the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. And he says those concerns have not been addressed by the FDA or the CDC. Dr. Ladipo says if the risks of DNA integration with COVID vaccines cannot be addressed, then the vaccines aren't appropriate for use in humans. He says he sent letters to the heads of the FDA and the CDC specifically questioning how this was impact humans in three main areas. Healthy human genes being transformed into cancerous cells, chromosomal instability, and how the integration could affect unintended parts of the body, such as the heart, brain, lungs, even the injection site itself. Local medical professionals are calling an extraordinary move that contradicts the scientific guidance of federal health authorities. Florida Surgeon General Joseph Latipo is calling for a halt to the use of COVID-19 vaccines based on mRNA. He says the vaccines contain harmful DNA fragments which could result in an illness. In a December 6th letter he wrote to the FDA, he outlined concerns that this DNA could theoretically transform healthy cells into cancerous cells and that it could result in chromosomal instability. The FDA responded about a week later saying we would like to make clear that based on a thorough assessment of the entire manufacturing process, the FDA is confident in the quality, safety and effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccines. So wait, so play that last bit back. So what the CDC was response. So I mean, that was a compilation of back. a lot of news channels introducing the topic, right? Oh, really? Yeah, it was, it was this was I mean, what was the general language there? Right. What was your perceived? No, I, you didn't tell me that. I, I didn't know that these were separate news sources under the same clip. Oh, yeah. Wow. You stitched all that together. Yeah. Are you impressed? Yeah. I kind of want to hear that back because it sounded like the same report. Um, but it's I mean, yeah. OK, but now listen to the wording and the tone used on what you think their opinion is towards Dr. Latipow. And this whole thing. General Joseph Latipo has what 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 news? You didn't tell me that. What news uh, sources? Did you tell me that last time, or was that not paying attention? No, this is different from yesterday. Oh, you changed I, I added it. a bunch. Oh, yeah. whoa! You should say that next time. That would have been good to know. Okay, sorry. Well, I thought that was kind of obvious. They all are saying the same well, they, thing. They sounded they sounded stitched, but I, I couldn't I couldn't tell. Oh. Huh. Huh. Been a vocal vaccine skeptic using his high profile position to cast doubts on what scientists say are effective vaccines. Florida Surgeon General bucking the nation's health experts on. That was a separate. Those are these are two separate clips. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Thank you. Vaccines. Florida Surgeon General bucking the nation's health experts on Wednesday calling for an end to the use of those COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. Florida Surgeon General Dr. Ladipo says he has safety concerns pertaining to the discovery of billions of DNA fragments found per dose in the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. And he says those concerns have not been addressed by the FDA or the CDC. Dr. Ladipo says if the risks of DNA integration with COVID vaccines cannot be addressed, then the vaccines aren't appropriate for use in humans. He says he sent letters to the heads of the FDA 
FDA and the CDC specifically questioning how this was impact humans in three main areas. Healthy human genes being transformed into cancerous cells, chromosomal instability, and how the integration could affect unintended parts of the body, such as the heart, brain, lungs, even the injection site itself. Local medical professionals are calling an extraordinary move that contradicts sure. the scientific guidance of federal health authorities. Florida Surgeon General Joseph Latipo. Wait, an extraordinary move that contradicts the scientific mm. guidance of federal health authorities. Florida Surgeon General Joseph Latipo is calling for a halt to the use of COVID-19 vaccines based on mRNA. He says the vaccines contain harmful DNA fragments which could result in an illness. In a December 6th letter he wrote to the FDA, he outlined concerns that this DNA could theoretically transform healthy cells into cancerous cells and that it could result in chromosomal instability. The FDA responded about a week later saying, we would like to make clear that based on a thorough assessment of the entire manufacturing process, the FDA is confident in the quality, safety, and effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccines. Okay, so explain that last bit for me. Uh, I didn't understand it. Just go go ahead. The last bit, yeah. Okay, but uh, aside from that, sure. though, they all use the phrase halting the use of MR mRNA COVID vaccines. Halting? All of them use that word. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's a script. Yeah. Um, so that last bit is uh, part of the, the so uh, a lot of how sent a letter requesting more information or more research to be done on the COVID vaccines in because he had, you know, uh, uh, fear about the DNA fragments that it could affect humans, um, meaning that those could like turn cells into cancer or any bad effects right so this is the last bit is a response from the cdc they wrote a two-page letter in response to his request and they said the they analyzed the manufacturing process so that is every part that they touch right from creation to distribution i think um and they didn't see any concerns with safety efficacy anything like that but that's not the part that is the concern. Yeah. Because it's, it's what is the effect of what's right. going in there. Right. So they didn't mention it unless they did, but it's not being reported on what the rest of the letter said. Mm. But um, they didn't say what studies prove that there's no No, it's no just effect. a blanketed statement. It's just a blanketed statement. Like, this, this is clean. Yeah, no, we're fine. We're fine. But that's not the same. It, Yeah. Okay. So their whole stance and media's whole stance, this whole, uh, the whole, whole, for the last four years, right? Safe and effective. <laughs> the vaccine is safe, which is what he's questioning, and it is effective, which is why it's had that emergency use authorization, why it got approved, is that it's effective for use. Also, did you know that the COVID vaccine got the uh, Nobel Prize? Yes. I we, didn't know I, that. We I talked about that. it. We oh, talked really? about it like first show. Oh, I yeah. mean, how could it not though? Yeah, sure. In terms of like it was used by everybody, how would it not be nominated and win? Right. right? The war on COVID. Right. Um, so in terms of it being effective, uh, well, okay. So they always bring on experts. I'm trying to think of where to start. They always bring on uh, medical experts to, um, uh, like contradict what somebody is saying, right? Oh, okay, sure. So, um, one of the stances here, let's just do uh, vaccines long COVID one. This is a, an expert brought on a news, news channel. I don't know which one should have that labeled next time. Yeah. Uh, 
Take a breath, by the way. Okay. By infectious disease, Professor Dr. Eileen Marty says the current vaccines are effective not just in reducing the risk of severe COVID-19 disease, but also long COVID. Okay. Okay. So then play long COVID too. Come here, little fucker. Come on. There's also new research now on limitations of the vaccine. Let's get right to it all. Here's CBS 3 health reporter Stephanie Stahl. Well, Yuki, the vaccines work in reducing the risk for hospitalizations and deaths. What this new research says is they're less effective at preventing infections and long-term symptoms. So vaccines reduce yeah. the risk of long what, what? Long COVID? Long COVID yeah, is long-term I, I, symptoms. So, and then this next clip is from a different news source. You stitched them two together? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Sorry, I got, I got a stitch Trump. happy infections and long-term symptoms so vaccines reduce the risk of long COVID, but do not eliminate the risk of long covid the researchers discovered that even vaccinated people with breakthrough covid 19 infections including mild and asymptomatic infections can experience debilitating long covid so these are all ineffective products so are, are they trying to slow down people taking these shots i'm not quite no, understanding i mean okay so the the cl first portion of it the first clip was her saying it reduces your uh, your chances of getting long covid which mm -hmm. is a feared thing that it's being proclaimed that it's out of a lot of people's control there's no treatment for it and it's debilitating right um but it's been said that if you the vaccines prevent your ability <clears throat> to get it or your your chances of getting mm -hmm. it. Yep. But yep. then so that's a recent clip, like a couple months ago. And then the last two, what we just what I just played, is two separate sources from a few months prior to that saying um, actually there's been studies and I don't know what studies they are, they didn't quote them, saying it, it doesn't actually reduce like you can still get long COVID. So it doesn't prevent. So it's it's not as effective as these medical experts are stating. Okay. Wow. Okay. Contradicting, right? Yeah. Okay. Then, um, okay, but what about the beginning, right? It's always been said it's always been effective. There's been no question it works, right? Except Pfizer admitted that they didn't actually test that. Um, so this is Pfizer, European Plus, Parliament. The Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. Yeah. So, yeah, for one, speed of science, they are the speed of science. It's their research, right? And yeah. development, they are the one who set, who set that. And then B, they had to understand the market. What do you mean? Like yeah. understand what people want right, what, out what of is, a vaccine or what they, what they want what as a product? For? What are they more likely to purchase Yes, and support? Absolutely, yep. Yeah, so this is during a European Parliament session. What year was this? Uh, this was this year, I think. This year? Oh, yeah. Uh, let me look. One second. 
Okay. Oh, it's from October 2022. And it's uh, Janine Small, who's a Pfizer executive, who's asked about the effectiveness of the vaccine when it was first released, right? They didn't even uh, test the effectiveness. Um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And wow. from that point of view, we had... That's a crazy statement. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we had to beat it. Right. We had to be the first ones to release. <coughs> we had to something. jump the gun. To, yeah. Yes, before uh, Moderna comes in, or, or so. Then, in order to do that, we have to forfeit our normal process. Yes. Oh, which absolutely. Which contradicts yeah, yeah, CDC's yeah, 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 yeah. whole claim that the manufacturing is safe and effective. Right. The the there's nothing indicating that it's not that. Right. I don't know about now, but at the beginning it was not. So I mean, that makes you question: Is that still applicable? Okay, so that's the effective part, but I mean, the whole part that Latipau is. Latipau, Latipau. Latipau, Latipau is um, uh, requesting to be analyzed as the safe part, okay? So he's making claims that the DNA part, the particles can alter human DNA and cause issues. So, of course, we have the medical experts on the news shows. Let's start with um, vaccines, cancer. Latipo says there's not enough Latipo, data Latipo. on DNA fragments in the doses, alleging cancer risk, impact on pregnancy, or effects on vital organs. Have we seen large numbers of people dying from getting mRNA vaccines or people getting cancers from RNA vaccines? Um, I would say no. I would say what you've had here effectively, uh, he's saying that there's no evidence, but I say uh, worldwide we've uh, just run the, uh, the largest uh, clinical trial in history on a new uh, treatment, and I would say that it's been shown to be safe and effective by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Okay. Isn't that a crazy thing to admit? Yeah, that is wild. Wasn't that so argued against the it's, whole time that this is the largest clinical trial ever? Right. And it's a trial, meaning it's, a trial. it's an experiment, Yeah. and you a, don't know what's what the result is. Right. So then how can you make this claim? They got to rush it from out from the beginning. They got to sell you a well, product. Well, they got to sell at the speed of science, speed right? Speed science. Um and okay, so then contradicting that, vaccines cancer too. The medical data was released by three career military physicians. So wait, so I'll give you background. The information. So um so that first clip that we just heard was news report from, I think it's like a month or two ago. It's within the last two months. It's in response to Latipau, right? Um, this clip is uh, Dr. Kelly Victory, who's being interviewed, and she is a disaster and um, uh, a emergency mm. medicine and disaster specialist. And she's talking about a report that was released by military physicians based off of um, ICD diagnosis codes of people who have died in the last five years oh, and God. what they found co from 2016 to 2020 compared to 2021 in terms of yearly averages. The medical data was released by three career military physicians who got the information from the military database that collects what we call ICD codes, which are the diagnosis codes. So they actually went back and called the database from the military on certain conditions over a five-year period from 2016 through 2020. They saw a 270% increase in myocardial infarction in 2021 a 300% increase in incidence of Bell's palsy 
and of certain neurologic complaints, uh, a 470% increase in pulmonary embolisms, blood clots to the lungs, and many, many other huge increases that they found alarming. In the case of cancer, for example, it was an increase from an average, a five-year average of 38,000 cases per year to almost 120,000 wow. cases in calendar year 2021. Just in 2021. Yeah. And it wasn't even the full year. It was 11 months when they Jeez. ran that report. Um I think that's where the video ends. But so these experts are saying, no, there's been no evidence, right? Nothing. We would have, would have seen something. But then this report comes out in 2021 or 2022 um, in October, I think. No, in February of 2022. And n n I mean, that's evidence, right? right? Like right. that's something that you would think th these medical organizations, these huge health organizations would look into that's a very strange event to happen. Mm. Those percentages, 300% increase in cancer. But it's okay because Pfizer and Moderna will profit when they uh, release all their cancer vaccines and research and all that. So they don't care. What else you got? Um, I see a, I see I a Dr. Have, Sparks. Yeah, yeah. So another medical yeah, yeah, expert. Yeah. Dr. Sparks is the a doctor. fun one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the doctor. Get the doc out. We asked a local doctor, Michael Sparks, to weigh in. You know, new things are scary. Um, we, if we look back historically, we've introduced new medications that... New things are scary. Just saying. <laughs> it's like talking to a child. Yeah. New, new, new things scare me. That's all. <laughs> Take your shot. We asked a local doctor, Michael Sparks, to weigh in. You know, new things are scary. Um, we, if we look back historically, we've introduced new medications that we were told were very safe, were going to be very effective, and they turned out <clears throat> not to be safe or effective, and they caused a lot of birth defects, things like that. So it's not unreasonable to be worried about things that are new, um, and that's where the research comes into play. There have been so many millions of doses of this vaccine delivered, though, that if we were to expect to see some of these, you know, theoretical problems, we should start seeing them. Isn't that comforting? <laughs> He just like con contradicts himself, yeah, completely. Right, it's a one eighty. One eighty. But then he tries to save it at the end. You know, oh, we'd see it already. You want to play it again? Yeah, I love that. Asked a local doctor, Michael <laughs> Sparks, to weigh in. You know, new things are scary. Um, I just we, love the condescension at the beginning too. We've introduced new. We asked a local. Yeah. New things are scary. New you know, it's scary. okay to be scared, Joe. It's we asked okay. a local doctor, Michael Sparks, to weigh in. You know, new things are scary. Um, we, if we look back historically, we've introduced new medications that we were told were very safe, were going to be very effective, and they turned out not to be safe or effective, and they caused a lot of birth defects, things like that. So it's not unreasonable to be worried about things that are new. Um, and that's where the research comes into play. There have been so many millions of doses of this vaccine delivered, though, that if we were to expect to see some of these, you know, theoretical problems, we should start seeing them. Jesus. Also, how long do these, these, these problems that you would expect to see, how long do they usually take to show up? Mm. I mean, there can be immediate effects, sure, when you first get injected. That's happened. And then there can be long-term effects like cancer, right? That takes a while to develop and a while to make the correlation. How many reports have they – oh, I, I think I played the – okay, I think it was the one clip before where the guy was saying um, nobody has died from a vaccine. Right. Have they ran a report? Have they done a, a study on – nobody – there's no ICD code, a diagnosis code – for COVID vaccine. 
No. How do you know that? Yeah. It's, how would you know that it's not from the COVID vaccine? There's no way to diagnose that that Correct. I know of that I've heard of, you know. So how can you say that when there's nothing proving otherwise? Incredible. Anyways. Mind blown. Mind blown. Um, yeah, that wraps up my COVID stuff. I do have some breaking news. Oh, yeah. Uh, urgent search underway for two missing Navy SEALs. Oh, you never where? guess where. Facilities in this video from British forces. Oh, come the on. airstrikes in response. There you go. Overseas now, an urgent search is underway for two missing U.S. Navy SEALs. Defense officials say the men disappeared during a boarding mission off the coast of Somalia. The region is now a hotbed of American naval activity. U.S. forces overnight again targeting Houthi rebel facilities in Yemen for the second straight night. The strikes are in response to the Houthis' targeting of commercial ships. ABC's Jay O'Brien from Washington tonight. Tonight, an urgent search and rescue operation underway for two elite U.S. Navy SEALs missing after falling into the water during a nighttime boarding operation, according to two U.S. officials. How it's do, unclear what prompted the... How do two of them fall in the water? Aren't they Navy SEALs? They what? know how to not do that? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like day one of their training? One grabbed onto the other and said, don't let me go. Was, SEALs to yeah. board the vessel, conducting the operation in pitch black on the open ocean on Thursday. Doing boarding operations in the ocean That's at stupid. night are some of the most dangerous things that you can do for seasoned operators. They'll tell you it's the most dangerous thing that we do. The SEALs operating in the Gulf of Aden between Somalia and Yemen, now a hotspot for U.S. naval activity after at least 28 attacks in recent months on commercial ships in the region by Iran-backed Houthi militants. Overnight, the U.S. conducting another retaliatory strike against the militia group. And just this week, a massive U.S.-U.K. assault targeting the Houthis' operations. Same clips, by the way. Same same jets coming off the... the it's the same boarding sa clip? Yeah. It's, mm. uh, boarding clip and same uh, jets taken off uh, of the aircraft carrier as A well. barrage of and 150 same bombs bombing and sites. Tomahawk yeah. cruise missiles hitting at least 60 Houthi targets across more than two dozen locations. Satellite images showing areas before and after the strike. Explosions seen destroying Houthi facilities in this video from British forces. The airstrikes in response to Same an escalating plane. series of attacks on commercial ships by the militants. Snarling a vital <clears throat> trade route home to roughly 15% of all global maritime trade. In this video, released yep. by the Houthis late last year, you can see the group storming a... Oh, late last year, by the way. This is 2022 of this video. Uh, and they used that clip on October 7th or around that time period of this year or what? of 2023. Wait, so the so, boarding clip that I was presenting to you earlier. Yeah, that's from I showed you, 2022. 2022 it had nothing to do with so the it's previous. Not even, it's not even a relevant clip. No. It's not the same. It's not relative, relevant footage. So they have no footage mm -mm. from all of these 27 no. boardings? No. Or attacks? Commercial no. ship. Companies now forced to choose between sailing through the dangerous Red Sea or traveling an expensive extra 10 days around Africa. A standard 40-foot shipping container now costing $4,000 to ship from China to Northern Europe, compared to $1,500 in November. Meantime, thousands of protesters in Yemen condemning the U.S. airstrikes and Houthi leaders promising the attacks on ships will continue in solidarity with Hamas in its war against Israel as the 100-day mark of that conflict looms. Jay O'Brien joining us now. And Jay, turning back to those two missing Navy SEALs, what more are we learning about what may have gone wrong? 
with that former SEAL we spoke with tonight said that these kinds of boarding operations need to be perfectly choreographed and executed without a hitch. SEALs train for this kind of operation constantly, but they are inherently dangerous and they're made even more risky by high waves in that part of the world this time of year. We're also learning late tonight that one of those SEALs dove into the water to rescue yeah. the other. Both, of course, now missing. Wait. All right, Jay, with those late developments. I'm, I'm just saying don't be shocked if they wind up in somewhere in, in, like, in, in Yemen. As a hostage? I, whether this is staged or not, I have no I'm just assuming. This is just my brain right now going off. Why would it be staged? What's well, the benefit of having two missing Navy SEALs? To agitate us more? Yeah, but it was from a a boarding that didn't go right. Right. So it, it's not like they're hostages. No, 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 no. Sure. But then all of a sudden, Yemenese boats pick them up, sure. take them back to Yemen. But it and was then a they mistake. they wind up on camera. It sure, it's a mistake. mistake. I'm not saying, no, no, no. Of, of course. Sure. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Maybe. I'm just, Why yeah, not? Sure. you can, you, you <laughs> could, you could not believe that. That's my, it would be very humorous if they wound up on a, on a camcorder somewhere in Yemen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just saying. No, I, that's okay. There's no, we'll I mean, keep an eye yeah, out. Yeah, they fell in the ocean, sure, and I understand that. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Now that's all over the news. Or maybe someone really did screw up and just fall in. But it's everywhere. It's ABC. The Indians are also on it. Very unusual. Interesting. Do you have a funny clip? To- I do. I do want to close out with a um, uh, a house um, session, so a House of Representatives session on Hunter Biden. Uh, and there was a bit of chaos there. I don't know what this is called. House oversight hearing chaos. It's not there. No, I'm just kidding. Shut up. Um, second question. You are the epitome of white privilege. Coming She's into talking the oversight committee, Biden. spitting in our face. You should have set that up better. I said, okay. um, Second <laughs> just question. Kidding. You are the epitome of white privilege. Coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up no here balls. and- M- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, if the general lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. And Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from I'm Hunter speaking. Biden. What are, are you afraid of? To speak? Hold on, afraid hold on, hold on. Why, order, why order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Did you keep interrupting me? I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Biggs over here. Donald Trump Jr. Biggs over here. Uh, state your point, Mr. Biggs. Yeah, my, my point of order is this. Are we going to continue on with, with this blatant interruption? It, this, this is absurd and inappropriate. I intend to give my statement. I don't intend to have anybody interrupt uh, I'm not going to interrupt your statements. I think you should have decorum and courtesy and don't act like a bunch of... Nimrods. You just interrupted a Nimrods. Wait. Oh. You missed it. Go back. <laughs> I stepped on Nimrod. the bed. You just interrupted a woman. <laughs> you, you clipped that short. You just interrupted a woman. <laughs> well, because then they start, they start yelling at each other again. You just interrupted a woman. <laughs> wait, wait, I got, I got one for you. Hold on. Hold on. If we want to defeat capitalism, we are going to need a party that will organize working people to fight for the demands that we want fight. and to win socialism. Thank you so much. What? It uh, sounds point, like point a party. Wait, you're, into, oh, you're yes. stepping on um, it too. Guys, uh, first of all, James. Damn it. I was I kept hearing point of personal privilege and point of personal privilege. Priv- uh, point of personal pri- pri- privilege. Privilege. Jesus. Uh, quick point of privilege. Quick point of personal privilege. Um, guys, uh, first of all, James Jackson, Sacramento, he, him. I just want to say. This wasn't my clip. I just, I, I kept. 
Personal okay. point of privilege. Yeah. Whatever. You have to point out, oh, this might be like like it's a conflicting I'm just, interest. I'm just linked linking the two. That's insane. Well, I know. Mr. Chairman, Wait. point of inquiry. Point of yes, inquiry. Sir. Oh, point of inquiry. Okay, sorry. Um I do have my clip. Are women not allowed to speak? <laughs> Did you're in whatever. <laughs> All right. I got it for you. Okay. This is mine and I, I think uh yeah, it's pretty cool. Hold on. Come on. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Consequences of that day, the insurrection, safeguarding Sorry. the American experiment. I'm Jonathan Capehart. This is the Saturday Show. And here we are, three years after the insurrection, and we're still living with the consequences of that day, the persistent threats to our democracy. With Republican voters casting their first presidential primary ballots this month, and with Donald Trump continuing to hold a commanding lead, even expanding lead in the polls, we're faced with the possibility, the startling possibility, that the man impeached for inciting the rioters on January 6th could be elected again. The man who claimed the insurrectionists had love in their hearts, who referred to January 6th as a beautiful day, and who vowed to pardon the rioters criminally charged in connection with the violence, people he now calls hostages. Hostages. Yesterday, in his first campaign speech of 2024, President Biden issued a warning about what's at stake. Trump began his 2024 campaign by glorifying the failed violent insurrectionist insurrection at our, on our Capitol. The guy who claims law and order sows lawlessness and disorder. Trump's not concerned about your future, I promise you. Trump is now promising a full-scale campaign of revenge and retribution. His words. It's the first. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna jump to the What's ad. The funny bit. I'm getting there. Hold on. Sorry. I, I think mine. Mine was funny. Yeah, I think mine was too long. Here yeah. I jumped Fanone, in. Former DC Metropolitan Police Officer, Courage for America Council Member, and author of Hold the Line: The Insurrection and One Cop's Battle for America's Soul. Officer Fanon, I'm gonna try to get what through this. What a title! This. Shut up. Hang on. Um, the insurrection and one cop's battle for America's soul. Yeah, does it get Officer Fanon, I'm going to try to get through this. Um, is he crying? Thank you. Oh my God. For what you did three years He's ago today. Um, thank you. For what you did three years ago today. Um, please tell me your thoughts um, on this third anniversary. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, that's insane. And then he goes right back to sounding pretty normal it's, and asking the he's question. He's lying. He's lying, Savannah. Yeah, he's, he's, setting up, lying. he's doing a performance. This guy's a jackass. He, he is the edit. He's one of the bigger editors of the Washington Post. This oh, is not right. like small meat and potatoes kind of guy. This is not like a, just a, a everyday schmo. What a crazy performance. That is nuts. That's nuts. He's a Pulitzer Prize uh, winner. For, he should be an actor. Edi for editorial writing. <laughs> on a soap opera. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, but now he's crying on TV. Forcing, well, forcing tears. He's for There's no tears. I know. Wait, hold on. Let's see how quickly he changes over. Yeah. Um, we are... Uh, at a oh, in Iowa last night. Listen to this. Defend the insurrectionists as he did yeah, there's not at a rally Jesus. in yeah, Iowa last fine. night. What Listen a to dickhead. All right. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Okay. I, who do you think wins? I, I think yours. Yeah, yours was a little. Um, you just interrupted a woman. 
<laughs> well, you clipped it too short. You, no, it's because then they they go straight into arguing again. Well, I think we're. I, I think I think ours are are just the same and just perfect in their own little way. They're all unique. They all win medals. Yes. Okay. Give Mine's a just a bigger medal. Um, okay. Well, thanks for listening. Um, I think that's the end of our episode, right? Yeah, we're done. Okay. Um, if you want to reach out to us, uh, for whoever, whoever, whoever's out there, if you want to talk, <laughs> um, you unless can, your family don't, don't, don't send us. Yeah. If you don't know family. us personally, please, please, uh, message us and, and, uh, send us something fun. Yes. The yeah. wallet is still down. Okay. Um, I will work on it to get it back up. In the meantime, we'll just be. We'll poor. just take just just we'll take your emails. Yeah, we'll take your emails. Literally, it's just it's just who, the the two that listen the that actually aren't people that are that know us well enough. Um, yeah, send say hi. say hi. If you see something fun, send it over. Um, if you have a, if you want to, I don't know. What's that email? Uh, that email is. There we go. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, pleb to pleb dot podcast at gmail dot com. That's p l e b the number two p l e b p l e b dot podcast at gmail dot com. Um, and uh, we hope to hear from you. And thanks for listening. All right, later, plebs. <laughs> Bye. Bye.